Hello, friends. It is Kirk Henderson and Josh Bowe. We're joined by fellow Mavs Moneyball editor and contributor to Forbes magazine, Doyle Raider. How is everyone tonight? I'm doing great, Kirk. Josh? I'm always doing great. I'm never bad. (laughs) I'm sad because I'd be with Doyle right now in a non-pandemic year. We would be in Vegas together. Oh, uh, that's right. And it's it's low key. I'm not I'm not like super sad. I mean, I'm spending time with my family and such. But it's like the one time of the year I get to hang out with Doyle in person, and it's very fun for me. But um, you know, besides all that, we've had a kind of wild uh, week in Mavsdom in the sense that you know the last three months we've had almost nothing to write about basketball wise, and then all of a sudden. We've had a ton go on. And so tonight, guys, Doyle has joined us because he's been the primary uh, actual Mavs Moneyball journalist who's been able to participate in all of these Zoom calls that the Mavs are doing with media members. So, Doyle, I have one question for you I've been thinking about kind of all day. How has, like, the overall media availability been compared to what you've had to do in person the last several years sure um and i will say this first uh, i i wish we were in vegas too that's always a fun time (laughs) i love like all the just ridiculous things we get ourselves into including all the bad basketball um but yeah it's honestly i'll say like at, at the start of the pandemic i would have said a zoom setup call for like interviewing players and stuff like that would be awful for writers but now we have covid and it has gone pretty smoothly i want to say i had like one technical hiccup when i was trying to ask luca a question back last week and got that sorted out by the next day and so i've I've been able to ask questions and uh it's you know obviously it's not going to be the same you know you're not in there like in the locker room, fighting in the scrum, which is kind of nice in one way. But and you can still get the little FaceTime, you know, with with the players because they can all see you. You're up on the big Zoom board. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So they can see you. You have the option of putting on your camera or not. I've just kept mine on. I don't really care. They know what I look like. They can see my like obscenely long hair at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Larry from the like. Imagine Larry's hair from the Three Stooges. Except there's like a little <laughs> bit of thinness in the middle, and that's what my hair currently oh, gosh. looks like right now. Well, yeah. so, so what? Like... What I really want to know is like, let's move aside from Luca, who is just going to be bad at answering questions until he either feels angry or more comfortable with English. How like are are any of their answers better? Because I feel like some of the stuff you guys got from Carlisle, meaning like all the media, the, some of the answers that Carlisle and Porzingis, and then you know Tim Hardaway Jr. Some of the things they talked about were, I think, I, I feel like they were just, I don't know, a, a lot more organic than some of the things that they say when they're surrounded by reporters. Is that silly? No, I, I, I definitely got that they were a little bit more forthcoming, if if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. Porzingis is always pretty well-spoken. Like, he'll, he, he he's a knowledgeable guy. Like, he, he might not strike you as that, but he gives pretty thoughtful answers like most of the time uh hardaway is normally like wants to get in the locker room do his job and get out so it was nice to hear some stuff from him and rick just you know he's not he can't shoot an evil glare at you like went through a zoom screen you know so, 
So well, he, he, you know, he's still he's still going to be Rick. Like he, you know, about the logistics question that Brad Townsend asked him. He was like, "No, we're not talking about that." So he's still going to be Rick. But you know, overall, I've said, all right, I feel like this has been a pretty like affable bunch, and I really think that they've been asked some pretty good questions for the most part too. And I think that helps a lot. Do they just take Go turns? Ahead. Sorry, sorry. Do they like? How do they? Is it like a uh, conference call where you kind of like be like, I want to ask a question, and then they kind of is Scott or whoever is doing PR? Is, are they just kind of like going in order for whoever wants to ask a question? Like how how does that work? I haven't been able to get on one. Yeah, so it's like you know on Zoom they have the raise your hand like feature. Oh, okay. And so yeah, so it's just whoever wants to ask a question, they raise their hands. Uh, I think they've gotten to everyone's question because there's still like only you know, a handful of people. There's, there's, there's been like anywhere from 40 to 60 people on these calls, but like, you know, it's still just like maybe eight to 12 people that ask questions. So, you know, that's the you, most... it's been pretty easy. Yeah. Have you, you seen anyone doing it. something goofy, uh, not realizing they're on camera? Like if there's like 40 <laughs> to 60 people, have you by any chance caught any of that? No, because I've just been on my phone doing it, and so like on uh, my phone, all I see is uh, the screen the Mavs are projecting, and then like the back camera at me. But uh, I have a bookshelf behind me, and so some people have texted me during it, asking me if I've read the books. Like Isaac <laughs> Harris texted, texted me that, and I was like, "Yeah, I've read all of these, but one." So, well, well so go my, ahead, my favorite thing you just said was that there's 40 to 60 people on the call and only 8 to 10 people a- ask questions. And if that's not an indictment yeah. of the ridiculous, and, and I don't care, I'm just going to throw shade because not enough people listen to this podcast. There's too many fucking people <laughs> at these Mavs games that don't do anything but stand around and beat off. Like, get off the call. Like, what are you doing with this content, people? Like, we have turned around, and I want to pivot to that uh, pretty quickly here, is that, We've turned around, and and when I say we, I mean the wonderful people that write for Mavs Moneyball. Doyle's provided some of this audio for us, and we've turned it around into content. Like I feel like outside of us, DallasBasketball.com and the Dallas Morning News, no one else does anything. And it's like, this is not like, who shows up for a Zoom call to be like, I want to be on the Zoom call to be seen? Like, who are you being seen by? Where is the, I don't, I'm just, I'm annoyed by this as a concept because it's like me, you know, I, I was bad at media. I did it three times. One time I was hung over and Rick yelled at me and I decided I never wanted to really do it again. <laughs> and it's y'all's like, like those of you who go to games, like you're, you know, you get a lot of crap online, but it's a hard job because you have to deal with like withering stares, way too many people, players who don't want to talk to you. And then depending on like the game situation, there's just a lot that's outside of your control. So like, why wouldn't you want to turn these conversations into things that, you know, fans could read, listen to watch, whatever. I don't know. It just bothers me. (laughs) No, you're right. It's actually kind of funny. You talk about like complaining about it or like how it's kind of hard. Uh, I actually like, since I've like run the gamut of sporting covering sporting events from high school, I mean, even below high school all the way up to, you know, professional professional covering professional games is way more of an ass kicking than anything else. I actually prefer like when I was at UT Arlington, like just being able to go to the game and I knew the head could the basketball head coach, I text him and like just how easy it is. And like the, the formatting of pro of, of pro game, like, it is kind of a beating. It is kind of an ass whip. And I can't imagine, you know, you spend like 
four to five hours at that arena and you don't get home till you know 1 a.m depending on where you live and like doing all that to not do anything is like i would rather just blow my brains out well doyle one thing i want to know and and you could maybe ask around about this as things kind of progress because i have a feeling these zoom things are going to be fairly regular i wonder if the mavericks if the mavericks attempt to incorporate you know just like most companies nowadays uh are really thinking about you know how do we do best business smarter and better and I feel like you guys are getting better stuff from the players. I really do. I was talking to uh, Sean Hyken, who covers the Blazers, and some of the things that the Blazers players are saying, he just told me, he's like, I'm getting better answers from them. And I would, I, I wonder if if Zoom might be part of, not the whole, but, you know, might be part of what the Mavericks do moving forward, just because, you know, if the players are more comfortable, if the, the PR team is happier with everyone, which I wonder if that, because like, shoot, if you're on a video call, they're going to let you know um, that you didn't do, it, they're going to let you know that you've irritated them somehow. I just, that'd be something I'd be interested in as, as we move along. It's a little inside baseball for our crowd, but you know, if, if we get better con, you know, if we get better answers then we turn around and provide better material to readers, viewers, and listeners, you know? Sure. And I think it's going to be interesting because, um, you know, we're recording this on a Thursday night and the Mavericks are ho- holding their first practice uh, Friday night. And so they're going to have, you know, pretty much a similar situation that they had going out before they went out to Orlando with the, the zoom calls after practices and like their practices are all over the map and so they're crazy times they're not like they were when you know during the regular season here when they'd just be like early mornings you know pretty much Mm -hmm. whenever they had them and so but the nba is kind of taking over this it's not going to be run by the mavericks per se like the mavericks will have a hand in it but it's now like all nba stuff uh, going forward, so it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out, who's going to be on these calls, and you know all that. Like, you know, I'll I'll, I'll be on a few of the after practice calls, you know, whenever I can be. But you know, the hours are crazy. I'm you know starting my regular job back up again, so that's that's been interesting to deal with. And yeah, it's so I don't know what to expect, but so far the experience has been, you know, generally pretty good. You know, all things considered. Yeah, I didn't even think about you used to talk about the NBA handling it. Like, I mean, I'm gonna guess none of the Mavs PR people are gonna go to Orlando, right? Like, there, there's no way I, Scott might be there, but I don't think it's not gonna be a full crew. Is yeah, yeah, because they only they only sent 35 people, you know, right? Right. So yeah. I don't know who exactly. I know Renee. I think she's stayed here. I think Scott would be the only one to win, but I'm, I don't, you know, I'm just, you know, shooting that out there. I don't have any facts. No. Right. Well, let's, let's pivot kind of hard to Orlando. Um, under, you know, we, they've only been there like a day and a half is, has there been anything, you know, Josh said something in our Slack. He posted a video. He's just like, you know, normally you said something along the lines of like, normally like player social media content is something I roll my eyes at, but this made me laugh out loud. Like the the Mavericks, who was it? It was uh, Maxi and Dwight Powell did a really ridiculous, like almost um, like TikTok style video that they posted to Instagram that was like them on their balconies. And like, I, I don't know about you guys, but 
with all the like dread that like the existential dread that exists like some of these really stupid nba videos are killing me like I, either they're funnier <laughs> than than i thought or 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 i'm just so starved for content that i'm laughing at things that aren't funny which is it i, I think it's i think it's that i think it's a little of both and also for me personally it's i'm so terrified of these players not adhering to the strict guidelines that the NBA has imposed and what that could potentially mean. And so when I see these videos of players kind of like making fun or making, trying to make light of their predicament uh, that they can't really do anything or go anywhere, uh, it, it maybe almost gives me some ease of ease of mind that like, okay, maybe some of them will attempt to be good about this and not try to push the boundaries and they will stay in their rooms because they'll just make funny videos or something i don't know <laughs> just just gave me like some hope that things can proceed as as well as they possibly can so i thought the video was hilarious oh, yeah, it was so awesome like, i've seen some like remixes <laughs> like that's probably my favorite thing about it is like when like the mavs twitter gets a hold of things and then uh like adds other audio and like changes up like i just love stuff like that so you know what it really reminded me of doyle is is it really reminded mm -hmm. me of like the first couple of days when we we're in vegas uh for summer league where and josh i i will just tell you this like you've never been you always are you always get fomo you're really not missing anything. I like summer league because of the people that I'm with much more than I do the basketball. And that's what made kind of uh, uh, the maxi Powell video. So funny to me is like, and, and, you know, we also talked about this earlier this week in our Slack in the sense of there's a number of these Mavericks who genuinely seem to like spending time with each other. And, that is kind of like one of the hidden, you know, hidden weapons that I think the Mavs have going for them in Orlando, because, you know, there, there's some of these guys like you know, when you get older, you know, it, it, you got your family, you have other things. But like these guys are all in like their mid 20s. They don't have kids like they're all just kind of farting around. So like this is almost going to be like a throwback to when they were, you know, either in AAU basketball or for the overseas guys when they were kind of on the youth teams like this could be a really good bonding experience for the Mavericks who are going to be on the team for like the next two or three years. I'm really looking forward to seeing some of the goofy stuff that they have happen. Yeah, it should yeah, be. I really think... Oh, go ahead, Doyle. Go ahead, Josh. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> I just, I'm just going to enjoy the lightheartedness as much as I can while I'll, my other half of my brain thinks about impending doom. Well, before we pivot to the last piece of news, I want to give Doyle an opportunity. So you wrote in the last three days, you wrote three pieces for us. You wrote, you know, Luka Doncic, where he gave the really good quote about how it's going to be worse playing without fans. You wrote a piece about how the Mavericks, Tim Hardaway Jr. talked about this, plan to use the restart as a platform to protest racial injustice and how the Mavericks, uh, the playoffs will be a really a new experience for them. So did you write anything for Forbes that you want to talk about? And which of those pieces, including the Forbes stuff, was kind of the one that you, I don't want to say, you know, fun is not necessarily what I mean to, to imply here, but which piece did you appreciate writing the most? Uh, so I was kind of doing a singular coverage of just, the individual players and stuff for Forbes. I didn't do one for 
you know, Hardaway Jr. and for them just just because he's not a household name like Luca and Porzingis are sure. essentially. Uh, so I wrote one about uh, them two. I did a small thing about like their scrimmage schedule or whatever. That was just whatever. And then I wrote about uh, them flying out there in the middle of like this pandemic. And like I broke down the numbers that Florida's seeing, what's happening in Orange County where uh, Disney World is and all that stuff. And just kind of, you know, it was, the whole piece was basically like how, you know, the NBA is restarting, but it's not going to be able to escape, you know, the specter of, you know, COVID-19, sure. which is all around it. And so just looking into the research on that one, because that one took a little while was interesting and you know all all the players pretty much talked about it too and so did Carlisle so they they all have Carlisle especially seems to have a very healthy appreciation of like just what this is i mean you know i i understand that his wife's like a a virologist or something like that and so she knows a thing or two about a thing or two when it comes to this stuff so yeah he he was he was very like just open he was like yeah we don't know we don't know and so we have a healthy respect for everything we're going to go do and how we need to compose ourselves so that just that in general was interesting and then um you know i, I have another one coming out on uh friday that i wrote or whenever it comes out i don't know when but uh just about what they need to do heading into um, you know, heading into play and heading into hopefully the playoffs because mathematically they still could be eliminated. But to be real, <laughs> it's, it's it's probably a shoo-in at this point that they're going to make the playoffs for the first time in three years, which is great. But yeah, Carlisle talked about like where he'd like to see this team improve, and you know you have to remember like this was the best offense the NBA had ever seen before the break. So getting back to that is going to be something they have to rekindle and then you know a few improvements that he talked about so it's just been you know touching back on what we talked about earlier it's it's been kind of refreshing to get back into the groove of hearing the players and the coach talk and then it's been doubly refreshing that they've been fairly candid and open about everything which is not a Mavericks forte. Let's let's be clear here. No. Sometimes we have to make chicken salad out of chicken shit because these guys don't say anything interesting for weeks. Yeah, definitely. Well, I have one more piece of news that I'd like to discuss before we talk about some of the really good content that our, our team has put out this week. I was just ecstatic to see that Calvin Booth was named the new general manager of the Nuggets. Now, for those of you who, uh, like our wonderful young Ryan Mainville, uh, point, pointed out this week, they weren't alive for when this happened. Calvin Booth is a folk hero of sorts for the Dallas Mavericks. Josh, you know what I'm talking about. So why, why don't you tell the people who don't know why Calvin Booth is an important figure in Mavericks history? He made the game-winning shot a layup in Game 5 of the first round of the 2011, not 2011, God, uh, 2001 playoffs, Mavs-Jazz. I believe that was the first Mavericks playoff series win uh, since, like, the late 80s. Like, I think, yeah. you know, after they had their horrible run in the 90s, that was their first playoff uh, series victory, and it's against the uh, admittedly on the tail end of their careers, but still the Stockton Malone jazz in Utah. 
uh, with like a very fresh face, Dirk Nowitzki and Steve Nash and Michael Finley. And out of all those guys, it's Calvin freaking Booth that makes a layup in the like last 10 seconds of the game that wins it. And I, I know he played with the Mavericks for some seasons after that. And I think he made like, I think he left and then came back if I remember right. For He, he was a super journeyman. That's yeah. what is so outstanding. The pen, he played at Penn state and he played for seven NBA teams in 10 years. What's incredible. And I posted this, I'll link in the, in the, uh, the podcast and in the story on the website, just in case anybody didn't see it. Michael Finley gives him a pass where Finley travels so hard it like he did one of those like dribbling backwards jump stops where he shuffles his feet to death like i watched and i'm like i don't remember this now doyle you told me you don't remember this very much at all which like you're the mavericks historian so you really don't like (laughs) did, did it like spark any memories whenever we talked about it or do you really not remember I don't remember watching the shot live, but I've obviously seen it countless times. And I do remember part of that series, but I just don't remember game five, the win. So, I mean, well, 2001, I, I was in high school. So, yep. you know, I don't, I don't know if I watched the whole thing. Well, so the, the other thing to remember here is that the Mavericks came back from a, they were down two. Not only did they win yeah, the series, I, but they, they won three straight. And that is is what's kind of incredible because that's what kicks off their multi-year. I mean, how many years in a row do they make the playoffs? Like 15 or, or yeah, 13, like something like this. Like it was over a yeah. decade. And Booth was one of the ones who led it. And I just wanted to talk about it because he's one of the few black general managers in the NBA. I'm really excited the Nuggets gave him a chance. I hope he does well. I hope he doesn't do that well because I want the Mavericks to win. But it's it's really cool just to see – like a guy, you know, he he left the NBA, I think, after 2010, 2011, and then he joined the Pelicans as a scout in 2012, 2013. So understanding how NBA front offices work, that's a pretty rapid ascension uh, to be, you know, the, the previous Nuggets general manager, I don't want to butcher his name, so I'm not even going to try it, left for the Bulls. And so for the Nuggets being confident enough in him is like speaks very well of him. And for, for guys that don't understand why this stuff matters, you know, just because Donnie Nelson has been uh, Mavericks GM since 1776, it's really, you know, these jobs don't come around very often is the point. So I just think it's really, it's really fun that, uh, that he came uh, and, and got the job. Yeah. And I don't even think they, did they really do that many, that much outside interviewing? Like I, they kind of just feel like they just rolled with him, you know, yeah. like it's, so that that's really cool that they had that much faith in him to just give him the job from you know internal position yeah i'm pretty pretty pumped about that just for and he makes the second you know former mavericks player who was interviewed to be a gm because michael fenley was in consideration for the chicago position as well okay so we're going to come right back after a very quick break we're going to talk a little bit about some of what has been written on the Mavs site and then we're going to uh, talk about what's coming in the next several weeks so we'll be right back Three, two, one. All right, guys, I am back with Josh Bow and Doyle Raider. We are talking Mavs Moneyball content. We've talked some news. Now we're circling back on some of the things that we've done this week. Now, as we rev back up, I am lucky enough to be surrounded by writers who have things that they want to say. 
And, you know, we, we have uh, some really good pieces that have come out in the last several days. The first one that I really liked, uh, and this was even before he talked to the media, was our guy Jordan wrote a really good piece about how uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. is effectively going to be um, – Oh, no, he wrote a piece about how the Mavericks are going to be really dangerous in the postseason, given what's coming for them. And I think we're going to talk about this more and more as the weeks come on, just because it's pretty exciting. Um, do you guys have any, any you know, month out pre- you know thoughts about what's going to happen with the Mavericks in the postseason? Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> just, I've been kind of living day by day with just like this stream of actual content that is out there like it's like someone tapped a well like it's you know it's like spindle top basically and it's incredible but uh i think this team i know what they've said is that they'd like to move up in the standings i mean luca just says he wants to play but that's what he always says but rick has said that they would be definitely looking to move up and i think they could i mean what houston's only like a game or two ahead of them in the mm-hmm. six seed so I think that's gettable, and I just found out that uh, Harden and uh, Westbrook decided not to travel with the team to Orlando, and they will arrive on their own. So, you know, shows you how much, uh, you know, cohesiveness is on that team, despite mm-hmm. the fact that Tillman just uh, is feeding the NBA there. Their owner just got that deal. A little bit of a – the grift is going good for some. For some. Um, but, yeah, I think the Mavericks can definitely – I think they can Pozinga said it. He thinks that they can surprise people. And I think I think he's absolutely right. Like they might be down a few players, but I I would say other than Brunson and Powell, because Lee's out too. You know, Powell, whatever, you know, I think Porzingis does really well at the center and plus they have Maxi and Bobon if they really need to. Um Brunson would have been nice, but I really think that Trey Burke is a really good pickup for them. I thought he played really well when he was with the team, uh, what, a year ago after the yep. Porzingis trade? Yeah, he was – I liked him. I wish they had brought him on, but I understand re-signing JJ just because he's been with the team forever and he's a locker room presence. Uh, and I think that's why they brought the Hurt guys too because they love Powell. He is like a huge presence in the locker room for them. Um, but, yeah, I think this team can really like – you know, just the way they score and, like, Porzingis, like, stepping out, hitting, like, what, 30-foot threes now? Like, that's ridiculous. These guys space the floor better than, like, almost any team, you know, that I, that we've seen in a while, like, to a person. Like, not just one or two players. Like, they're legit dangerous. And, like, Luka's going to be healthy, so we haven't seen that in forever. Yeah, so yeah. I, they, can, they can scare people, I think, for sure. Uh, my answer is I have complete confidence in them against every team in the West, except for the Clippers who they might, who's probably they're going to play. <laughs> like, honestly, like if they got in a first round matchup with the Lakers, I would even feel better about that. Cause they've played, they've beaten the Lakers and they've played them close. And like, I'm not saying that the Mavericks would win that series. I just feel confident with them playing against the Lakers. The Clippers are like Mavericks kryptonite. Like that team was like Jurassic Park genetically engineered in a lab to specifically dominate this version of the Mavericks. Like, it's just absolutely crazy. Like, just having Kawhi and Paul George to throw at Luka, um, having 
the the crazy depth that they have, which is usually like the what swings some games in the Mavericks' favor is that they they win their bench minutes. Well, now they can't really do that against the Clippers bench. Um, they've got decent enough bigs uh, to throw up Persingas, although that might be like their one weak spot. But you know, you say that, and they got Montrez Harrell, who's like a fucking death machine, mm-hmm. and it's just it's hard. Like they just the Mavericks' weakest spot is wing like they've got luca and dorian finney smith and then they kind of shuffle up some guards and and bigs around there but they don't have a lot of true wings and when you're playing against Kawhi leonard and paul george that's just like that's that's tough but like honestly like uh i think they've played everyone else in the west pretty well like even if they've lost like i feel like they would play the lakers pretty well they've played denver pretty well um they play Houston pretty well. Like uh, they play the jazz might be the other team that's given them some issues besides the Clippers. But like, honestly, you know, it wouldn't shock me for them to win a series. The only series that would honestly shock me would be the Clippers. Cause that's just, I just, my brain can't process it, but that's like sure. pretty good. That's seven teams that I feel comfortable at least that it would be, you know, at, at minimum a competitive series. So once you get there, it's kind of like roll the dice, see what happens. Well, Josh, you said yeah, something there that, that Josh, you said something there that results in me wanting to pivot to the very next post because you talked about how the Mavericks don't really have wings, and and that's true. And so our our guy Ryan wrote twelve defensive plays from the uh, showcasing the Mavericks defense this season, and I'm scrolling through this thing. You edited it. It's just it shows like. Uh, Maxi and 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 Porzingis are really really freaking good at guarding the rim, and yes. so it makes me think that you know if they can find one suitable wing defender who can guard the ball, and you know Dorian Finney-Smith, I don't know. I the, I love the guy's help <laughs> defense. I love the guy's help defense and offensive rebounding. He is not a good man-to-man defender. Like he just gets blown by. But so does every matter. It's kind of the nature of the rules, right? So did you have any any of those plays? You know, I don't want to sit like he like Ryan ranked them. So you know, let's just skip right ahead and talk about the number one play from the season. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Are you talking about the? Um... Well, you're talking about what Ryan put, or are you talking about yeah. your, uh, the no. the block against Zion? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I got the post open. It's pretty crazy. It's the Maxi KP special, basically. And these guys just block out the sun. So they if they can get anyone that can, like, remotely slow down a dominant wing scorer, I really, like, the matter's going to be nasty. Like, like quickly, like I'm such a pessimist and this is so wild watching and listening to some of these things. And I'm just like, man, these guys are like, they could be really good. But Doyle, you were going to say something. I cut you off. My bad. Oh, no, that's okay. I was going to say that, uh, yeah, I, I'm with Josh in the fact that, yeah, the Clippers scare the shit out of me. They are <laughs> they're just like a robot. It's ridiculous. But I'd also like to say we're talking about these wings. This is a Michael Kidd Gilchrist erasure. Okay. <laughs> KG is going to come out there. And he is going to have 12 minutes one night, and it's going to change everything, maybe. <laughs> 12 minutes minus 8, 0 for 1 from the field, 3 well, fouls. I mean, it, he's not going to take a shot. Let's, <laughs> I know. Let's, let's, yeah, let's, well, let's be real here. But he, he's going to get some rebounds. <laughs> so, so it's funny you say that, Doyle, because 
Ryan also put out a piece for us about the Mavericks depth chart, where he basically grades the guards, who he gives an A, he gives our wings a B minus, and he gives the bigs a B. Now, he gives the bigs a B in no small part because of who you just said, uh, uh, Michael Kidd Grillcrest is going to have to be an emergency big man for the Mavericks. Does that, what oh, yeah. level of concern do you have about that? Well, Rick threw him out there at five a few times during the season, like previously. Uh, I mean, he can't go toe to toe with like, like a Jokic or anyone. Like, you know, he's, not, he's not that big. Yeah, exactly. Well, Boban, obviously. Boban can destroy him, as we saw in the <laughs> last game of the season. But, yeah, MKG is – he's going to have to be, like, the plug-and-play guy. He's going to play anywhere from three to five. And it's going to be totally matchup-based and foul-based, I think. Like, just put him out there to stop the bleeding in terms of, like, for a few minutes for rest or for fouls or just whatever. He's He's an all right rebounder. I'll give him that. But he doesn't shoot. You know, I'd like to see him, like, at least try to shoot so he can, you know, maybe have some kind of impact on the floor beyond just being a body. But, yeah, it. I'm concerned that that's what his role is because I don't know why they went and got him. Like, that's still a confusing move for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, like, I think Brokoff would have been better yeah. in this role as just some guy who just shoots threes, you know. And Brokoff's last game, he got like nine rebounds. So I, I'm like, you know, what? I don't know. I, I have really mixed feelings about this whole deal. You don't want to kill the guy because it's not his fault, but it's just sort of the nature of things. Josh, you have any thoughts on the Mavs' like depth as of right now? Yeah, it's interesting because I've got concerns, but they're playing eight games and then the playoffs. And then when you're in the playoffs, you're playing, what, eight guys? Mm-hmm. So – if they can get to the playoffs without anything catastrophic happening, it might not be a huge issue. The one issue is probably bigs because it's when you get to the playoffs, it's basically going to be Maxi and KP having to play each of them playing half the game, basically, or maybe Chris Ops playing even more. Um, because I don't trust Bobon in the playoffs. I mean, I know this. I'm I'm like the most cynical Bobon guy ever. I love Bobon as a person and what he brings in the locker room. But like every time I watch him play, like he's too big, you know, he, he can't, he physically cannot be on the court against some of these quick, small teams, which is kind of how playoff lineups go. And the fact that they don't really have they, the fact that they don't have a third big, just in case someone gets into foul trouble to kind of bail them out in a couple of minutes of play is, you know, that worries me a little bit. Like uh, that's why, you know, Willie Colley Stein having to, having to stay in because of the birth of his kid, uh, you know, totally understandable. And, you know, props to him for making that. Congratulations that him, by the way, yeah, that's great. Born on Tuesday, July 7th. Yeah, so that's great. Congratulations to, to Willie Colley Stein and his partner. Yeah. And him sitting out though, is like a big, I didn't really think about it, but it's like kind of a big deal. Like they kind of need him because he is the, he would be the third guy. Cause you, you would presumably maybe trust him for spot minutes. Uh, obviously, you know, we, <laughs> his, his defense and stuff like that is leaves much to be desired, but you still right. theoretically trust him in terms of 
his body type than Boban, who just looks like he's in cement. But that's not Boban's fault. Like no, no human should be as big as Boban. He he's fantastic for what he does. But that's the one thing that worries me. I think everything else they can kind of get around uh, by mixing and matching and playing some different lineups. But if KP twists an ankle or if Maxi, you know, sprains a knee, like they're going to be in deep shit. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have a very short amount of time before we have to get out of here. I wanted the last article I wanted to discuss was really a set of articles. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr. was featured in, you know, Doyle's piece on, you know, what the Mavericks hope to do for racial justice uh, about Doyle's other piece about how the, you know, the, the playoff experience for these mini Mavericks. And then Jordan wrote another piece about, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. essentially being the X factor for the Mavericks. Doyle, did he have anything to say in his, you know, uh, meeting with the media about his shooting and kind of his role on the team? Uh, sure. Uh, he said that he's comfortable in whatever role the team asks of him. Uh, you know, another, you know, kind of a stock answer, but he said he's just there to win. And I, but I actually believe that, you know, uh, as in terms of how he can keep his shooting going, I asked him that. He, uh, he just said, you know, he just, working out during this time away and trying to get up as many reps and as many shots as he could to keep hot. That was at the cannon. So, so let's I see hope, if he can bring the cannon back. What I hope is, is in the off season, if we, you know, and sometimes these guys are a little more candid in the off season. If we can get a little more from Rick about how they got him to take better shots. That's the thing that I don't think is discussed enough. He takes like he takes, he still shoots like like a madman. But the shots he's taking are at least the kind of quality looks you would hope for. They're not, you know, long nineteen footers. They're three pointers now. So I, I really that sort of stuff has really helped his game. I'm really looking forward to seeing him play. He's nineteenth in the league in three point percentage. Um, you know, he, he's he's somebody who who is he's the third best Mavericks player. I know Seth Curry is pretty important too, but you know, Hardaway's just been more durable. So that's been a big thing for me. Um, we got, I don't know, three minutes before we get out of here. Do either of you have anything else we want to get in before we get under the wire? Uh, I just, things are getting real. Like it's, it's hard to kind of like, I've kind of been like, is this going to, is this really happening? But like the last week players are in Orlando, like this is happening. So it just, it's kind of like a weird feeling of excitement and partial dread, which I'm trying to reckon my brain with. <laughs> Doyle. Uh yeah, I mean, it's a little surreal like that they're going through with this. You know, I hope everything works out and I hope everyone's fine out there. I know some teams have had to shut down their practice facilities before they headed out there and um, the Nets, you know, are sending a summer league team essentially. <laughs> but uh you know, we'll see what happens. This is unprecedented and it's fascinating. It is just endlessly fascinating that, you know, these leagues are going out to uh, Florida to try and salvage, you know, the season, their money, everything. And so, you know, we're not ever going to see something like this again unless COVID keeps lasting for the rest of our lives, you know. <laughs> but yeah. Well, it, it's, it's entertaining on the, on just those levels. It is. And I, I'm – I'm with Josh where it's like, I'm trying to get into habits, but it's very hard to, like, I'm going to be really irritated just from like a structural level. If I get into all these habits and then the league cancels, then I go back to not doing anything. 
Oh, well, that's very selfish. Uh, this has been, uh, you know, you, the three of us talk all day, pretty much every day. And this has been really fun because we don't do it in front of a microphone. So thank you two for joining me tonight. We are going to get in just under the wire. This has been Kirk Henderson, Josh Bow, and Doyle Raider, your editorial team at MavsMoneyBall.com. Like and subscribe, share. We're going to try to be doing more podcasts as things rev up. But I don't know. I figure y'all might be like me where... Uh, podcast times at a premium so i don't want to fill up your uh don't want to fill up your audio space with needless rambling so once again thank you for uh listening to the podcast and we will see you guys out there <laughs>